Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest. Right on. Awesome. Hey, well, we're going to go into this. Um, I'm so excited to give this, uh, this talk today. We're going to just do a couple shotgun messages in these next couple of weeks before we start um, Advent or our Christmas season, which is love, joy, and peace, and, and all of the things that Christmas offers in light of what the scripture says and what God has done and how he has brought his son Jesus. And so um, before we get there, we're going to dive into just a, a, a talk that I wanted to share that's been on my heart. I wanted to bless you guys with something because these last couple of weeks have been sort of heavy, right? Um, but good heavy, but heavy nevertheless. And so I wanted to bring uh, an encouraging word to you and an uplifting one. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. You are a good father. You know us well, so well, God, that there are things, Lord, that you desire to show us as we get a little bit closer to you. And so you call us, you invite us deeper as you are our good shepherd. And so I just pray, Father, that this morning, today, that we would lean in, that we would experience and encounter your goodness this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. I know, I don't know if we shared on, um, on giving, but giving, we have opportunities to give. Giving is a big piece of my heart. If I can be honest, it has become a spiritual discipline. Although I do believe that I have the gift of giving, I'm just going to say that, like not out of pride or anything, I just love to give people gifts. Um, not so much like gift gifts, but like actual gifts. I want to bless. So if someone's in need, it's so hard for me not to help them. And I, I'm aware that uh, everybody has different gifts. That If that is not your gift, then it should become a spiritual discipline. And so when it comes to giving, though, to God and to his house, uh, the Bible is rich in all of that. And I just want to invite you into that. Um, you can give online. You can give in the back table. We don't hand out the bucket for many reasons. I don't want you to ever feel like you have to give out of compulsion but rather out of a heart of generosity, even if it's difficult and even if it's hard, which if we're being honest, it's hard at times, right? But God is still good, and I could share story after story after story of his goodness over mine and Kelly's life, not because we give for those reasons, but because we give because God is good. Does that sound good? Awesome. So I want to bless you with that. And then Chase, I'm just going to call Chase out because he reminded me of something very important that myself, Chris, and Brandon and our crew talked about. We want to start um, being generous to the single moms in our community. And so I am held accountable. I didn't put it up, but we're going to put on that giving tab. If you click the giving, it kind of falls down. You know how it says outreach? For this month of November, November we're going to change that to uh, single moms. So we're going to bless the single moms in our community, and if you feel like you want to give over and beyond your tithe, then we want to encourage you to give to that fund so that we can bless the single moms in our community. Does that sound good? Awesome. Okay, so we're going to dive into this conversation of uh, the title that I want to talk about, sort of kind of the thesis of our, our time to, together is Be Blessed. And what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to bless one another? When we think about being blessed, right, the only times we ever hear bless you or be blessed is when somebody sneezes, right? <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, well, God bless you, right? That's like one of the only times we say that. There's other times, right, in a ceremony when you're getting married, you're blessed. But 
Very rarely do we understand the biblical concept of what it means to be blessed and what it means to bless others. But if we're going to talk about being blessed, then we have to talk about the antithesis of that, and that's to be cursed. And I don't want to talk about curse in the, in the, in the fashion of like witchcraft or hex or sorcery or Harry Potter, but there is a biblical connotation to both blessing and curse. But my question is, do you realize the magnitude of your words? My mother, I don't know if she's in the room or she's out there somewhere. My mother always taught me this ever since I was a little boy. And I honestly thought it was over-spiritual and it was way too much. Where it was like, she would just tell me, your words are powerful, your words are powerful. No, you have to speak that into being. She'd say stuff like, I'm like, mom, you're, you're too much for me. All the time, ever since I was in junior high and high school, she would share this with me. She'd send me messages. She would, she would uh, encourage me to talk, like listen to to conversations about this, she would share scripture to me, and there was a time where my mom was going through cancer, and she beat it, and she, there was a lot going on, and I remember as a little boy, she had a little book, and the book had all of the blessings on it, right, just a small little book of all of the blessings in the scripture, and every morning, because my mom was battling something, and I was too young to understand, she would have me read these words over her. And so she taught me from a little boy, there is something about your word. She would quote the scripture in Proverbs, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And if I could be honest, I didn't understand what she meant by that. Maybe I needed to be said in a different way. But nevertheless, as I've gotten older and more mature, as I've grown, as I've experienced the power of words, I have seen this happen in my life over and over and over again. And I want to show you what the scripture biblically means by this. Proverbs says this in 12:14, from the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands bring them reward. You see, the weight of words coming and filling my heart, I'll never forget this happened to me. I was probably 18, 19 years old, and I felt called into ministry. I felt like I was going to be a preacher. I felt like I was going to do something. I just knew that I knew that I knew that I was called. And that's a whole other story. And I remember I came back from Bible school from Springfield, Missouri. I came to Chino, and I was just radically on fire for God. I mean, if, if you remember me at this time, I would go at like 11, 12 in the morning, at 11 at night, 12 in the morning to like Pomona. I would drive down to Pomona by myself. Now I realize how dangerous this was. And I would just walk the streets, and I would talk to certain prostitutes, and I would pray for them. I just remember being so on fire to evangelize and to tell somebody about the goodness of God. I wanted to bless somebody. I wanted to encourage someone. I just knew within my soul that I had to do this because God not only was calling me to this, but I knew there was life behind my God. And then we started uh, little um, studies, Bible studies. I just didn't care about having a title. I didn't care about being pastor. I, I just wanted to start Bible studies that my mom had in her house when I was in junior, when I was in high school. And I remember all of these people, my age, my age, people in the room that would come and they would say, oh, you're here, Sammy? <laughs> oh, this, how did you know about this? And I'm like, this is my house. Yes, I'm here. I have to be here because my mom has this Bible study thing going on. And as I grew and as I matured and I came back from, from Bible school, I wanted to start something up again. And I remember God has his hand upon it. It was growing. There were so many different young adults coming. And it was, it was a really fun experience. It was exciting. But how, how many of us know when you're that young, still young, I'm almost 30, 
But how many of you know when you're that young, you have no idea what you're doing, like at all. I still don't know what I'm doing, if I'll be honest with you. And the thing is, I remember as it was growing, the theology was starting to get uh, upset with people. The way that I viewed the scriptures, the way that I, I would pray, the conversations that I would have, and people were starting to get really upset. And I didn't know the church world enough to know that there are so many different walls between Christians. It's unbelievable to me. And then I'll never forget, I had one of the guys that I was kind of doing this with, and he came up to me, he sat me down, and he said, hey man, I just got to be honest with you, I can't do this with you anymore. I said, oh, okay, why not? And he said, well, my pastor told me that you're young and you don't know what you're doing about leadership and, and you're probably, you're like way off right now and so I can't be under your leadership. And I was like, I don't even know what under your leadership means, but okay. But the problem was the pastor of this man that told me this was at times my pastor, my youth pastor. And I remember that exact moment that that filled my heart. Those words that were spoken it filled my heart immediately. And I remember being gripped by this. And I kid you not, because we're on this conversation of lies in the words. From that moment on, I was so terrified because of my youth. I'm too young. I'm too young. I, I would always ask myself, why am I so worried that I'm so young? And I can date it back to that one moment that something was spoken over me by someone I really believed and trusted. And I let those words manifest in a way. I let it sink deep into my soul and it crippled me in light of leadership or just ministry. Do you realize the power of your words can bring life to somebody or it can bring curse? It could bring brokenness. It could bring somebody down just by what you say and especially when you're in a place of authority or leadership. And it hurts and it stings. And if we're not careful, we'll speak death over someone. We'll speak hardship over someone. You see, blessing and curse are very often talked about in the scriptures. But the problem is there, there are, not the problem, but there are two central forces in our life today when it comes to blessing and curse. And I want to talk to you about how to move into blessing with a world rooted in a curse. So what is the biblical concept of blessing? I'm going to move this because I want you to see this. But I have this written on the screen. I want to read this to you. This is sort of the overview of the concept of blessing. It says this, the Old Testament word, sort of a meaty, heavy one. The Old Testament word blessing comes from the Hebrew word barak. This means to speak the intention of God and to be happy with where you are. The New Testament uses two words, makarios, where we get the concept happiness, and the Greek word eulogia, from which we get the word eulogy. Have you heard that word before? Eulogia means to speak larger or well of or to speak the intention or favor of God on someone. Just as eulogies are tailor-made, so are blessings. When we talk about blessing someone on a practical level, we are prophetically saying, my God's full expectation for you be fulfilled in your life. And we know that God's intentions for people are good. Dallas Willard says it like this. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. Here are an example of a modern day blessing. I'll never forget when I, 
I met Kelly when, when shoot, we were in seventh, I was in seventh grade, and long story short, I found myself, when I came back from Bible school and I was doing all this stuff, I just knew I wanted to marry her. And so Kelly's, mother, uh, Kelly's father passed away when she was in fourth grade. And so I, traditionally you would sit down with father, right? And so I sat down with, with Mother Teresa. I sat down with Teresa. Her name's Teresa. And I sat her down. I'll never forget where it was. And I was basically asking her blessing to take Kelly's hand. And I just want you to realize that in the gap of the question that I asked and her response were two future realities. The first was of blessing. Yes, that means every room you walk into, Sammy, you are blessed when you come in. You are blessed when you come in for Christmas and for Thanksgiving and for family outings. You are blessed as my son-in-law. You are a part of the family. Yes, and there's a blessing behind that. Imagine if she said no, though. And to be honest, if you know me well enough, I would have lovingly said, okay, got it, but I would still have married Kelly. Imagine if she said no. To, and, and imagine how tough it would have been every single time I walked into the room. And there that couple, there they are again. There they are. Oh, there's Sammy again. There, there he comes, right? There's sort of this, this curse, this sort of this, this brokenness. There's this damage spoken over me into the future. And so there's this blessing that comes from that, right? There would be a shadow hanging over mine and Kelly's relationship because Teresa wouldn't have blessed the marriage. Do you see the power of blessing? I can't wait for Lenya's uh, future husband to come, by the way. I'm going to do it the good way, right? I just, man, I just cannot wait for those moments. But I'm going to prayerfully teach her what it means to follow God, follow Jesus, be a disciple of him, and so that she would look for the right man, a man better than me. But I want to be in those moments where I can bless it, right? And I'll know Lenya enough because she's a strong cookie. She would tell me, Dad, if you say no, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's a long time from now. Probably not, though, right? It's going to go come by fast. Do you believe the power of blessing, though, and how it projects? It projects good. It's a force that shapes our lives and into the lives of others. Here's the question. Why do we need blessing? Why do you need blessing? Why do I need blessing? Well, Biblically, you were created for blessing. In Genesis 1, 27 to 28, it reads this. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here it is. God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Notice, before God gave us the commandment to fill the earth, he gave us blessing to do it out of. God already has blessed us to subdue the earth, to create, to step into a greater future, and we stand from a blessing. But then what happens in the garden? The sin happens, right? The sin, the curse. In order to create or bring thy kingdom come is to know that you and I are living from blessing. That's a big piece, right? You need to know you are moving from blessing in your inner being because that blessing creates futures. But remember, wherever there is opportunity for blessing, 
we can choose to walk from the blessing as well. Does that make sense? That's just how God works. That, by the way, should be how a mother and father work, especially when your child is old enough to be their own person and their own adult, to do and whatever, because they're a man or a woman at that point. But here's the point. You have a choice to choose good or evil. You have a a choice to, to choose to be blessed by God and to walk in that blessing or to choose to say, I don't want any, I'm gonna do it my way, God. And thus, when you do that, when we step into that, we step into the system God has already established, which is what is contrary to God is what? It's evil. Adam and Eve chose to rebel. They basically said, God, we're going to take it from here and we're going to do it our way. Here is what they learned. There is no blessing in this world, not one apart from God. You can say, man, you're over-biased there. I don't know. I love talking to the gray hairs of the room or those that have gone before me, those that have lived a little bit more life than me. And I've seen enough life to know this. There is no blessing, the blessing that comes from heaven outside of God. I just, I'm convinced of that. And, and my prayer as your pastor is that you would see that so well. It would be the writing on the wall that you would see that with God there is color. There is goodness. There is the blessed life. There is, there is love and joy and peace. All of the goodness of God, though there still is trouble, you stand in the blessing. And you can choose to not have that, by the way. You can choose to say, God, I'm going to do it my way. And my prayer to you in the most loving way is good luck with that, honestly. Because that route leads to destruction and to brokenness and to bitterness and to shame and to guilt. And I don't want that for you, but you have to want it for yourself. It's your choice. See, this brought the results of the curse. Here's the definition of curse. Rejecting, I don't know if it'll be up here, rejecting and resisting God's intentions resulting in disfavor and displeasure. And our dysfunction and destruction. In other words, the curse is a result of our rejection of God's system. I'm going to read it again, okay? This is the definition of curse biblically. Rejecting and resisting God's intention, resulting in his disfavor and displeasure, and our dysfunction and destruction. The curse is a result of our rejection of God's system. Does that make sense? It's our rejection. It's not God, it's you. You're the one who chose not to step into the kingdom with God. You're the one who chose. So it's not on God at that point. God gave you a choice. And when we step away from God's way, we step into rejection that's already established in the system, if that makes sense. But this is Old Testament covenant. We're going to get to that in a moment. Then we see the curse of sin. The woman is cursed, noticed, by childbearing. I'm so sorry, right, to the woman. But that's the result of the curse. It says that you will be cursed in childbearing. Cursed is the ground because of you, Genesis 3.17. Then the consequences come up not just in them, watch this, but in the lives of their children. In the lives of their children. In Genesis 12, I've talked about this over and over. I'll probably preach about this for the rest of my life. But watch this. In Genesis 12, Abram, which is a child of a lineage from Adam and Eve, Abram... Sorry, that's not true. From Noah, but still, you get, you get the point. 
Abram lies about his wife, Sarai, to protect himself. See the lie? In Genesis 26, his son, Isaac, lies about his wife, Rebekah, to protect himself. And then Jacob lies to steal the blessing from his brother. There is a lie of a generational problem there. And I see this over and over. And we have to, be, we have to realize a couple of things. One, I just, I'll say this publicly. I am so grateful for my mother and father and the hard work they put in for their children. I'm honestly grateful for that. Mom, honestly, I know mom and dad are somewhere in the room, but like I, I, I see that as I step back, that I'm standing on the shoulders of the hard work of doing the right thing over and over and over and showing up over and over and, and blessing God over and standing in his favor and reading and leading his, their children. I see the blessing because I get to stand in it now. I get to swim in that blessing. But the, the thing is, I've noticed this though. There might be families that you're the first family that has walked with Jesus. You're the first family that said, I'm not gonna live how my past family and generations is, I'm going to change this and I'm going to step into blessing and not to a generational consequence or curse. And there's honestly, I'll just be real with you, it's a harder battle. I don't get to fight as hard like my mom and dad did. And then my great-grandfather was a pastor, so I get to put his mantle on. But I know that it comes from generations. And so you might be sitting here thinking, man, my family is like kind of messed up. All our families are messed up. But when you stand in God's goodness, when you understand what he's called you to, when you understand his word and his presence and the favor and the blessing that you get to walk from, not to, there's something that changes in the generations to come. And the scripture says that this, I'm not just bringing this, this isn't just a self-help conversation. This isn't just unbiblical language jargon. This is the word of God. There are blessings and curses, or if I could say it like this, consequences when we choose to walk away from God. But I don't know about you. I want my little girls to, to swim in my blessing and my parents' blessing and the grandparents' blessing. And I want it to continue. The scripture says, for a thousand generations, you'll be blessed. And then there's consequences that come to the fourth and fifth generation. And so we got to see that, right? So in order to talk about blessing, we got to talk about the, the cursing, right, or the consequence. Are we good there? You guys good? <laughs> okay, so the curse shows up generationally. We saw that. One side note, it may not be generationally. It might just be you. <laughs> Do you hear that? It might not be generationally, it might not have been your daddy or your granddaddy. It might be you. And so you, just like I, have a choice. You had a choice to wake up in the morning and you're like, oh man, it feels good. It's not as early. But if you have kids, that doesn't matter, right? And you wake up, Lenya's like up, and I'm like, the sun's not even out. What's going on? And I realized it was the shift and everything. But you had a conscious decision to get up this morning, despite whatever's going on in your life, despite how hard it is, despite how difficult it is, despite how good, you had a conscious decision to wake up and to drive here and to be present. You have a conscious decision to raise your hands and to glorify God. You have a conscious decision to wake up tomorrow and read your word or not, or speak life or death into somebody or not. It is your choice, my friend. And so we can't, we, like, notice, I'm real big on this generational stuff, but I cannot make an excuse of my life and my actions. 
There has to come a point where it's like, yes, that was how it happened, but I am my own man. That God gave me, I have my own fingers and mind and body and breath. Yes, I have a brain that comes from generations, a life, a line, but I'm going to cut that. I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to shift and change with habit and only by the Spirit of God because I, I want to step into blessing. Grandma Liz gets it. You see, we can show up for every Bible study, every Bible study, every prayer meeting, every worship night. We can show up to church every single Sunday. We can be fired up for God. But if our heart is not right with God, you, if I could use this language, you will step into spiritual resistance because your heart's not right. Because there's darkness in your heart. And the only one who can fill that, the only one who can push away the darkness is God. It's his presence. It's the power of who he is. So if our hearts are not right, it robs us from the blessing of God in your life. I'm not talking about blessing like you're going to make a million dollars tomorrow. I'm talking about biblical blessing. That, that is from the inside out type of blessing. God will not, I, 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 don't, I don't see this in the scripture. So if you can show me, yes, and then we'll have a discussion. I just don't believe God will not bless a rebellious, sinful life. His hand will still be on you, but you will be robbed of the beauty and the wonder. You, you'll have spiritual resistance. There's times people come, I don't know, man, I'm doing everything right. And I, I'm just talking to God and I'm reading the scripture. And I don't know the heart of the man. I have no idea what's going on with you and God. But when there's spiritual resistance, it robs. God doesn't rob you from that. You're robbing yourself from that. Does that make sense? I had to hit on that for a moment. Okay. This is, this is where spiritual resistance comes from. Other times, watch this. Other times, it's not just generational. And it's not just you. Other times, there are curses spoken over us by others. Or... You might speak curses to other people. And again, I'm not saying this in sort of like a witchcraft sort of way, but it's, it's, we speak life into people or not. Then they can wound our spirits and change the scripts of our heart, okay? Listen to John Orberg's words. I'm going to put this on the screen so you can all see it. He said it like this. I used to think that cursing someone meant swearing at them or putting a hex on them. So it was pretty easy to avoid because I did not swear much or do hexes. But I realized how wrong I had been. You can curse someone with an eyebrow. You can curse someone with a shrugged shoulder. I've seen a husband curse a wife by leaving just the tiniest delay before saying, of course I love you. The better you know someone, the more subtly and cruelly you can curse them. You see the power of your words there? I had to apologize to Kelly last night. She's not here, but last night when I was, I was working on this message because I, I was working on this last night because it's been that crazy. If you disagree with that, I'm sorry, but that's just how this, this week has been. And I'm like, Kelly, I can't keep going doing this until like, I, I, I apologize to you. Like I, I just want you to know that I, I am sorry if I've spoken harshly over you. I'm sorry if I haven't blessed you with my words. And, and as my daughters get older, I'm going to have to apologize and repent on a regular basis. But I just don't want to be the type of father or husband that speaks down to my wife or speaks down to my children or disciplines out of anger and not out of love. 
So we have to be really, really aware and tentative of our words. So here's the question. Are we doomed by the consequences or curse, curses? Or has God done something about it? Okay? Which he, he, is, he has. But in the Old Testament, God begins to bless Abraham and Sarah that all nations on earth would be blessed through them. Number six says this. I love this. This is the priestly blessing. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and watch this. And I will bless them. Do you see what God is doing here? And what he's trying to teach the line of the priests, there is something to be said about the blessing of God, about the words that you speak over one another. Then ultimately, Jesus comes on the scene to fulfill this blessing in the new covenant or the new way that God does things, okay? Paul puts it like this. You guys ready? This is so good. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and I, through Christ. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This leads to what theologians call the great exchange. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, and I wanted to show you on the screen. This is what... Paul is basically saying here, you guys ready? Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we may be made right with his righteousness. He died our death that we may share his life. He became poor with our poverty that we might inherit his riches. He bore our share that we may share his glory. He endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance as children of God. And he became a curse that we might walk in blessing. You want to say amen to that? I'll say amen to that. That's good. That is what Paul is talking about. God is in the business of removing the curse and releasing the blessing wherever he goes. All throughout the Gospels. Wherever Jesus is at, he encounters a curse, he pushes back and brings the, the kingdom of heaven there, and the blessing is released. Everywhere. Go back and read the gospel in light of that. Luke says it like this. One of my favorite passages is the Great Commission, right? Go and make disciples in all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, right? That's the end, kind of the, 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 cast, the goodbye send-off in light of Matthew, of Jesus. Look at what Luke says. I like this one better. Luke 24 says this, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands, and what did he do? He blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. The last thing that Jesus does, the last image the disciples have of Jesus is a blessing Hands lifted up. God, I bless them for the work that they're called to. God, I bless their family. God, I bless what they're about to step into. I bless them, Father. And, and I, I would pray that we would have a community that blesses each other, that encourages each other, that speaks life and word and meaning into each other. 
The final image the disciples have is of Jesus, their rabbi, blessing them. It's a mark on our discipleship, by the way, that we must be people that bless others. Mark others by blessing. I was listening to, I think this is awesome. Have you guys heard of, gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, Love, is it Love Does? What's his name? Bob Goff. Who said that? That was so good. Come on. Come on, Chris. Bob Goff. Okay, I heard this story once, and I was just like, I'm like a really emotional guy, and I'm like crying, like, wow, that was so good. So Bob Goff is a very well-known speaker. He's a lawyer, and he writes all these books, right? And like, as I guess you grow in that world, you get like upgrades when you, when you get driven places, right? Anyway, he's upgraded into a limo from his hotel, from the airport to where he's going to go. And he said that he's in the back seat, and he's like trying to knock and like see who the, the driver is. And Bob Goff asked the driver, hey, tell me your story. And so the man proceeds to tell him he has multiple jobs. He's trying to make it work for his family. It's really hard. It's difficult. And so he had to pick up this limo business and just to provide for the family. And he says, hey, man, have you ever been back here? He's like, no, I haven't. It's like a gift. He's like, well, you know what? Why don't I drive for you so you can be back here and experience this? And he tells him to pull over, and he's like, I don't think I could do that. He's like, don't worry, I'm a lawyer. It's okay, I'll figure it out. And so he has him get in the back, and he drives him. And the man gets out, and he gives him a hug. And here's my question. Think about this. If that limo driver, someone was to say, tell me what you think about Christians. What do you think he would say after encountering a man like that? And my, my posture as a, as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, is who are we wherever we go? Who are you when you're in the back of a taxi or an Uber talking to the driver? Do you even talk to them or are you on your phone the whole time? Are we bringing the kingdom everywhere we go? Are we bringing blessing or are we bringing curse to them? Because our silence might just be enough. You have no idea who's in the front seat as you're in the back. You have no idea what, what people are going through, right? Man, there's so many stories of that, of people that thought someone was doing well and they get upset with them and then come to find out their wife passed away that day or something happened horribly that day. You have no idea what is going on in the life of somebody, right? So I want to be marked by the words or the posture of Jesus to bless others as he left us, as he commissioned us. You see, you are not in the world trying to earn God's favor so he will like you. You are in the world with his favor, distributing his blessing to others who need it. We are moving from blessing given to us from the cross, not for blessing, which is exhausting, by the way. When you're trying to fight for blessing, that's exhausting. And, by the way, that's the fruit of religion. Ephesians was, says this, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Jesus' ministry summed, can be summed by the word of blessing. Honestly, it can. You can argue that. Everywhere he went, there was blessing, and he would push away a curse, and he would bless. And when he'd fight back the darkness, and when he'd be, he would bring a blessing. Here's my question to you, church. As the worship team, you guys come on up. Here's my question. How do we bless others? We need to be people that learn spiritual and relationship instincts, right? Honestly, 
<laughs> when, when Lenya's old enough, if she wants to, at some age, she's going to tell me she doesn't want to or not. I want to, like, put her in Krav Maga. Not the Taekwondo stuff, Krav Maga. If you know anything about Krav Maga, it's like, it's, it's hits to kill, right? <laughs> because I want her to know that she can defend herself. But if you've been around anyone that does Krav Maga or, like, Taekwondo, I used to be all into that. My mom put me into it. And, um, and you start, that's when I started putting holes in the wall at my house. But what happens is when, when, when somebody joins any form of martial arts or fighting, after a while, they become, it becomes instinct, right? To where if you put your hand on their shoulder really quick, their instinct, if they're trained enough, if they've been doing it, if they're a black belt, they will react with instinct at times. And my prayer is that we would be that type of people that we have a black belt in blessing people. That we would have the instinct to show life and love and word and deed and bless others. Not bring them down, not curse them, not speak death over them, but to bring life to them. Whenever there's a moment that someone needs to be encouraged, that we would be, have a black belt in showing the goodness and the blessing of God. John Orpert says it like this. Blessing and cursing are not compartmentalized Bible words at all. They are simply the two ways that we treat people. They are inseparable as breathing in and breathing out. So when you look at speech, James 3 says this. With the tongue, we praise the Lord our Father. And with it, we curse human beings. That's what your word says, by the way. Who have been made in God's image, his likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, James says, this should not be. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I want to bring healing to people when I have conversation. I want to bring life to people when I talk with them. I don't want to bring people down. I want to bring those up, not by anything that I can do, but by the power of God within me. Does that make sense? So imagine if us men sat our wives down and said, I apologize for being a harsh man. I want to build you up and bring out all the gold that is within you. And I am sorry, and I will work on my words. Imagine if every man did that in this room that's married. Some of us have to sit down our children and apologize to how we've spoken to them and disciplined out of anger, not out of love. Some of us has to sit down our children and apologize and speak life to them. Some of us have to sit down our friends that we did wrong and go back and, and, and build amends of peace. Maybe you're here today because, and you feel the conviction of this conversation. Maybe you need to call somebody today and repent and apologize because you've cursed them. You see, the future and the kingdom that we're called to usher in is a culture of blessing others by speaking life, by showing life, by empowering those to continue the work. This is the power of blessing. Maybe you need to call somebody today that you haven't talked to for a really long time and just speak life over them, speak blessing, speak peace. I am blown away at times, if I'll be honest with you, I'm blown away by how many of us that love God, 
still have people in our lives that we have resentment for. It should not be in our community. So if you gotta pick up the phone and it's hard, write, write your words down then. And just say, hey, I just wanna share something with you. I know it's been a really long time, but can, you don't have to say, I'm here to bless you. You don't have to do that. Hey, I just wanna, just wanna apologize for anything that I might've done. I just want you to know I love you. Maybe it's your mom that you haven't talked to for years. Maybe it's your father that you've never talked to in, in, in hundreds, hundreds, in, in years. It, maybe for you, it might feel that way, right? But maybe you just need to make a phone call, or maybe it's a letter, something to create peace. Remember, we are in the business, the ministry of reconciliation. So my prayer to you is that you would take on the posture of blessing. I want you to be blessed today. I want you to know that God loves you, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to know that even though reality says it's not gonna make sense, it's not gonna work out, it's not gonna ever happen, I want you to take on the kingdom and the posture of what God says, because God has the final say. And what he says is blessing as he was being released into heaven. I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. Amen.